We'll be having our group meetings here in just a little bit. So I want us to focus on serving the Lord by serving uh, one another. Let me recommend a prayer uh, for you. And uh, as we do that, um, think back with me to the prodigal son and his coming home and what he decided. He said, I'm going to go home and tell my father, Father, I have sinned. I have sinned. And I'm going to say to him, I'm no more worthy. I'm unworthy to be called your son. So please make me a servant. Make me a servant. Make me as one of your hired servants. Let me recommend this as a morning daily prayer for all of us. Start your day with God and ask him. Pray that prayer to him. Father, make me as a servant. Make me your servant, Father. And so let's discuss that. You know, the Bible surely supports such a prayer. Galatians 5, uh, 13 says, um, We have been called for freedom. Only do not use your freedom as occasions for the flesh, but rather through love serve one another. Galatians 5, 13. Romans 12, verse 11 says, We need to be fervent in the Spirit, serving the Lord. Let's look together at several characteristics of being a servant so that we'll know what we're praying when we pray to the Lord and say to Him, Lord, make me a, a servant. Here's the first characteristic servants make themselves available to God. Servants make themselves available to God. Notice in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, Paul saying about servants and soldiers. He says, first, they're willing to suffer for the cause of Jesus. And then he says, a soldier does not entangle himself in the affairs of this life so that he may freely serve his master. Now for us, the master is Jesus and we are his servant. And we must make ourselves um, available to him. If we only serve the Lord when it's convenient, then that's not really serving the Lord. So I've got to ask myself as I pray to the Lord, I've got to ask myself, am I making myself available to God? Ask yourself um, further some questions such as um, when my schedule, my plans are, um, are messed up by God, uh, do I accept that uh, with grace from the Lord or do I look at that as uh, in a resentful way? When my plans and my schedule is, is messed up uh, in life, do I look at that in a resentful way or do I just take that graciously as an opportunity to serve the Lord? Do I give God the right? You know, He has all authority. Do I give Him the right over my schedule and over my plans and over my, over my list and over my calendar? Do I give Him the control over that? And what about interruptions in my plans? How do I look at that? Do I look at that? as um, something that's aggravating? Do I look at that as an appointment from God or an opportunity uh, for God? You remember there in Mark chapter 2, Jesus is, is teaching in this house and it's full of students and he's doing, of course, his work there. And then some men break through the ceiling and bring down a man who is lame and Jesus uh, received that interruption and turned that interruption into a blessing where he uh, talked about the man's sins being forgiven. And that gave him the opportunity to heal the man, but also give him the opportunity 
to show the world, show the people there, show the Pharisees in particular, that as he did this miracle, it also was showing that the Son of Man had authority on earth to forgive uh, sins. In Mark chapter 1, beginning in verse 16, you'll notice that uh, Jesus passing along the Sea of Galilee, he sees Simon and Andrew, his brother, uh, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he just comes up and he says, follow me, and I will make you to become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. Now there Jesus is interrupting those men in their work. But they had the maturity to, to realize who this is, and they left what they were doing and followed uh, the Lord. And so servants make themselves available to God. A second characteristic of servants is that, you know, servants pay attention to needs. Servants pay attention uh, to needs. Galatians uh, 6 tells us to do this. Galatians 6 and verse uh, 10 uh, tells us that as we have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially those of the household of faith. Now, notice he says household of faith there. That is our goal in every service that we do. Any service that we render to someone else, our goal is that they also can be members of the household of faith. They can be Christians. And if we are serving another Christian, then we want them to, uh, through our service, to be built up in their faith. And so notice he says, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all uh, men. When it comes to serving the needs of others, Remember four words, if you will. Remember the word soon. Remember the word soon. Opportunities do not last. And so as we have opportunity, let us do good, he says there. And Jesus said in John 9, verse 4, um, We must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. While it is day. The night comes when no man uh, can work. And so remember the word soon. And remember the opportunities to serve and do good don't, don't always last. In fact, they rarely last. Remember, if you will, the word sharp. Because we must be sharp in looking around and noticing opportunities uh, to serve. We must be on the lookout uh, to see ways of serving someone else in the name of Jesus. Jesus once told his disciples in John 4 and 35, lift up your eyes and look on the fields and you'll see that they are white unto harvest. We must do the same. So remember the word soon as we think about paying attention to others' needs and also remember the word sharp. And remember the word uh, sensitive, sensitive. Because if we're not able to really empathize, really allow our hearts to go out to somebody else and their needs, then we're not ever going to be servants. And Jesus was the master of this. One occasion in Matthew 9, 36, 37, he saw that the multitudes before him, uh, they were distressed and they were scattered and they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And it says there, he had compassion on the multitude and he stayed with them. He taught them. He prayed for them. He told his disciples to Pray that more workers can come among this crowd and help uh, these people. His heart went out to them. So remember the word sensitive. And then remember the word spontaneous. Okay. So the second characteristic on being a servant is to be able to pay attention to people's needs. But unless we're willing to do it soon 
unless we are on the lookout, unless we are sensitive to their needs, and unless we're able to be spontaneous, again, with our other matters going on in life, then we're not going to be able to be servants. But a good servant is looking to the needs and is able to be spontaneous. And for our support there, remember in Luke 10, Jesus given the story of the Good Samaritan. And that was the, the distinctive thing about the Good Samaritan, you recall. The good thing, the, the, the thing that stood out about the Good Samaritan is unlike the priest and Levite who were busy and on their way and they passed by on the other side, the Samaritan also was on a journey. But he had um, the servant's heart to where even though he had many other things going on that day, he found it within himself to stop and help that man who had been robbed and who had been beaten and who had been left there on the side of that road. So first, servants make themselves available. And then secondly, servants pay attention to needs. And then Of course, thirdly, servants do the best with what they have. Servants do the best with what they have. Uh, Servants of God do not make excuses. They don't wait for perfect opportunities or the perfect circumstances before they serve. They're just willing and ready to serve. Ecclesiastes 11 and verse 4 mentions a man who, who intends to go out and sow his seed, but he looks at the wind, he feels the wind, he decides... I'm going to do it another day. And then he goes out again, and he, he, he's, it's now time for him to reap what he sowed. And he decides, well, he looks at the clouds and decides to go back in. In other words, that pictures someone who never gets around to doing what they need to do because they're looking for a perfect circumstance in order to do that. But true servants don't do that. They don't make excuses. They just simply want to serve God. So they do the best with what they have. Here's the thing. Servants do not idolize um, um, perfection. Say it that way. Servants do not idolize perfection. Some folks won't do anything for the Lord unless they can do it in the very, very best way possible on earth. Okay. Uh, but that's not really reality. First, that's not how life happens. And secondly, we're all human beings, so never are we going to do something in a perfect way for the Lord. It's not that we shouldn't seek to do things in in a way that is well done, decently in order. But the reality is that if we wait around to be able to do it in a perfect situation or in a perfect manner, then we're never ever going to do it. Less than perfect service, let's say it this way, less than perfect service is always better than the best intentions. Less than perfect service is always better than the best intention. And so the servant is going to do the best with what he has, with, what, with the best means that he has, the best time that he has, the best people he has around him. He's going to do the best with what he has. W.T. Allison, he came two or three times uh, for us years ago, and he shared this statement with us. Uh, two or three times. He says, um, here's what I say to people. I like the way I'm doing it better than the way you're not doing it. Okay. And he would say that to comfort himself because he, he, said, he said to me personally, he said he used to worry about when he served the Lord or tried to, uh, tried to branch out and do more for the Lord that 
oftentimes that was it didn't work out exactly the way he had planned, but then he he decided that just to say that to himself every once in a while. I like the way you're I like the way I'm doing it better than the way you're not doing it. In other words, less than the best service is better than the best intentions. You can have all the great intentions in the world, but until we are able to actually serve the Lord and nothing gets done. Now, the thing about this is, when you start a project, no matter what it is for the Lord, it's, it usually doesn't start out well. Okay? It's usually done poorly. A lot of times we'll start something with the Lord, and it's something we've never done with the Lord. Okay? What's the best way to learn? Okay? Reading God's Word and then doing it. There is no other way to learn. Okay? Jesus hints at this and. In Matthew chapter 11, 28 and 29, when he says, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Then he said, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. But notice the order there. Yoke, of course, has reference to serving. The animal, you place the animal under uh, the yoke, and then he starts plowing for you and Jesus saying, come and put my yoke upon you and learn of me. Now, in coming to Jesus, we learn things about him in order to motivate us to come to him in the first place. But also after coming to him and after we start serving him, there's learning that takes place. And it's a combination of reading and studying and doing uh, the will of God. So... The servant of the Lord does the best with what uh, he has. He doesn't make excuses. He doesn't idolize uh, perfection, but rather he's ready to learn. He's ready to do and learn. In the fourth place, a servant is willing to do the small task. A servant sets out to do the small task, the small things. Jesus is the greatest example of this. Think about some of the things that he did. Washing the disciples' feet. Helping uh, with children. uh, Working among the lepers. He found tasks nobody else would ever uh, do. Uh, Serving food to others. He did this on, on occasions. And then he said to his disciples in John 13, uh, verse 15. He says, I have given you an example that you should do these types of things as well. And he goes on to say, the servant is not greater than his master. In other words, Jesus is saying, I, your master, I'm doing these things, so you should do these things as well. And he goes on to say, the messenger is not greater than the one who, who sends him. So we are to do all sorts of services to, uh, to other people in the name of Jesus. And one of those uh, services that we do is to bring the message of God uh, to them. Jesus did this. He did both. He brought the message of God and he also served the needs of people. He has given us the example and we should follow his example. And so a servant is willing to do the small task. The fifth characteristic I want to share with you is that uh, servants are always faithful and trustworthy and depend, dependable. They are. They are trustworthy and dependable. 
This is very pleasing to God. You remember the story Jesus tells about a man who went to another place, but he left his servants and uh, with some responsibility. According to their ability, he gave uh, to one servant five talents and one servant two talents and another servant one talent. You remember that the one talent uh, fellow went and hid his talent uh, in the ground because he was afraid and he was uh, fearful of the man's uh, nature. Uh, but the ones given the two talent and the other one given the uh, five talent, they, they worked and they served and they made uh, the one with two talents made two other talents and the one with five talents made uh, five more talents. And Jesus came, or rather this, the master of the place came back and said to them, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. And Jesus set that up to teach us that that's what he wants to say to us on the judgment day. He wants to say, well done, good and faithful servant. And so to be trustworthy and dependable is something surely uh, that pleases the Lord. But it also, if we don't do that, it can disappoint the Lord. Notice the statement by Jesus in Revelation 3 that he sends to the church at uh, Sardis. They had started a lot of works, but notice what he says in Revelation 3, verse 2. Uh, he says, I have not found your works complete in the sight of God. He says, I know your works. I know your reputation of being alive, but you're dead. You're dead. And part of the reason he pronounced them dead was because the works that they had started, they had not completed. And so when we are not trustworthy, then the Lord is disappointed. It's a rare thing, really, in the world to find someone uh, dedicated and trustworthy. I, I love for us to read just quickly uh, Paul's estimation of Timothy in Philippians chapter 2. And I'm going to start in uh, verse number 19. But uh, notice Paul recommending Timothy's service uh, to the people in Philippi. Philippians 2, beginning in verse 19, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I may uh, be cheered by the news of you. For I have no one like him, notice this, I have no one like him who will truly care for your welfare. They all seek their own interest. That's what most of the people in the world do. They seek their own interest. But, not Timothy. Most people seek their own interests and not those interests of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father he has served with me uh, in the gospel. So God is pleased when we serve him in a very dependable, trustworthy way. It disappoints him when we don't. But he is certainly pleased. And, and it's a rare thing, as Paul says. Most people serve their own interests, but not Timothy. And we want to be more a lot Timothy than, than, uh, than other folks. So we want to be dependable and faithful uh, in our service uh, to God. Service to God, um, when you think about it being dependable, it must last until we have no more breath in us. One of my favorite sections in the Bible is 2 Timothy 4. And this teaches us here that our service to God never ends. We don't retire from it. And we learn this from Paul. Paul is in a dungeon. He knows his life is close to 
leaving this earth. 2 Timothy 4, verse 6. Time of my departure is at hand. It's close by. But nonetheless, he's not going to quit. We notice from 2 Timothy 4 and 13, he tells Timothy, he says, Now I left my cloak there in Troas. Evidently, Paul had been arrested in sort of a, a quick fashion. So his cloak, his, his, his coat that kept him warm was left. Uh, he says, I left it there with Carpus, another brother in Troas. He says, Please go get that. And bring that to me. Also bring the books and the parchments with you. Evidently Paul was not going to stop working until his life was taken from him. Notice how dependable he is. So a dependable servant. Notice that he is—he keeps his promises. He's faithful. Okay. This pleases God. Uh, he completes his works. Okay. He serves the Lord as a son would serve uh, his father. And he keeps doing this all the way down until there's no more breath in him. A servant will stop and ask himself, are there some promises that I have made that I have not kept in service to God? Are there some promises that I have made to God that I have not fulfilled? Do you ever do that in prayer? Do you ask the Lord to get you out of a situation and then Vow to him that if he will, then you will do this or that. I know, I know that's the kind of prayer sometimes we pray. But then once we get out of that situation, do we fulfill our promises to God? By the way, when we first come to God, we are making a huge promise. When we make that good confession that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that is a pledge that we are making that we will be his servants from then on. So have we broken uh, that promise uh, to God? Is there some among us that need to get back up? Because we've still got breath in us. If we're breathing, we need Jesus. If we're breathing, we need to be serving Jesus. Maybe we need to get back up and start serving again. So the fifth characteristic of a servant is that he's trustworthy, he's dependable, uh, he's faithful. And the sixth characteristic is a servant keeps a low profile. A servant maintains a low profile. A servant does not call attention to himself. As Peter says it in 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6, he, he is clothed with humility. As Paul says it in Acts 20 and verse 19, he is serving the Lord with all humility. The last thing a servant wants to do is call attention to himself personally. Absolutely not. Okay. A servant is not involved in what uh, is called eye service. Eye service. This is mentioned by Paul in Ephesians 6, verse 6, and Colossians 3.22. A servant is not interested in eye service. Eye service is service that is done to impress others. Okay. A servant of God is far away from that. Okay. He's only seeking to please the Lord. That's all he's seeking to do. He's not all about... Uh, the eye service. As an example to bring this home to us, think about Old Testament Joseph, Genesis Joseph. Think about how he served quietly. He quietly served his father Jacob. He quietly served his own brothers who did not like him. He got over there in Egypt and he just kept serving. He served Potiphar. 
And for serving Potiphar, he was thrown into jail. So he served the jailer. And while he was in jail, he served Pharaoh's uh, baker. And while he was in jail, in prison, he served uh, Pharaoh's cupbearer. And then when he was brought out of there, he served Pharaoh. And then he served Egypt. And then he had the opportunity again to serve his brothers and to serve his, his own family and his father uh, once again. The more he served, the Lord just kept blessing him. But he didn't do it to bring uh, honor to himself. Uh, he simply maintained a low profile. I like what um, is said in regard to prayer in Matthew 6, 5 and 6. Jesus said, enter into your closet. Enter into your closet and pray. Don't worry about what other people know or think about you in this regard. Don't do your prayer to be seen of men. Don't do your righteousness, Matthew 6, verse 1. Don't do your alms to be seen of men. God will know what you're doing, and that's all you're worried about. So the sixth characteristic is that a servant maintains a low uh, profile. Who cares if anybody ever knows what we're doing for the Lord? As long as we're pleasing the Lord. The seventh characteristic and final characteristic is that servants have a deep faith. Servants have a very deep uh, faith. A servant knows that the Lord is um, close by. He knows that the Lord has all knowledge. A servant knows that the Lord knows the number of the hairs on his head, Matthew ten twenty-eight through 31. A servant knows that if God can look over the world and know every time a bird falls from the sky to the ground, then a servant knows that the Lord surely knows everything going on in his life. And for him, that is enough. He has a deep faith in God. A servant is content with his master's reward, whatever that is. In fact, a servant doesn't even really think about reward. He just wants to please his master. Jesus says in Matthew ten forty two that anyone who gives even a cup, a cup of cold water as his disciple and gives it to someone as his disciple shall in no wise lose his reward. A servant is just content with whatever his master wants to do uh, with him. A servant has a deep faith. And he knows that the Lord has all the ability, all the power in the world to take his less than perfect service and turn it into something that will glorify uh, the kingdom. We recall when Jesus fed uh, the 5,000 that... Um, they were looking for food out there in the wilderness. They didn't have any. They said, um, I think it was Philip saying to the Lord, Lord, there's a boy here. He's got, um, he's got five small wafers here and two fish. But what is that among all these? The Lord said, that's enough. Have them sit down. He took those five loaves and two fish and he fed those multitudes of people. The Lord can take our less than perfect service we're offering to him and he can multiply that if we will have the faith 
that we need to have uh, in him, certainly. Think about Jesus' disciples and what he did with those 12 apostles, what he did with them. Think about how weak they were for so long. Even as Jesus ascended up on high, Acts 1, verse 6, they still did not have a comprehension of the church as it ought to be comprehended. They, they were still thinking that there was going to be some sort of restoration of the kingdom of, of Israel back uh, to an earthly throne, even at that time. They came to Jesus on occasion and would ask him, well, teach us to pray. They, they were having trouble even praying. But still, look what God did with these men. And so these characteristics of a servant, a true servant of God, can help us to get our mind on serving of the Lord. And we need to have our mind there this evening as we have our group meetings here in just a few minutes. We have several important matters coming up on, on our events calendar, especially our family day. And then uh, later on, our VBS is coming up, and we must uh, seek to serve and to reach out as best uh, as we can. But before we get to that, go back to some of these questions. Are there some promises that I have broken to God? Am I making myself available to Him? Do I really want to be His servant, a true servant? You know, don't attach anything to it. Don't be a servant leader. Just be a servant. Just be a servant. Let the Lord take you to where He would want you to be. Just be a servant of His. Are you willing and able? And will you commit to making this part of your prayer each morning, each evening, maybe several times throughout the day? And just say, Lord, make me a servant. Going back to the prodigal son, his statement, it really reflects our spiritual condition before God. First, we've got to realize we are sinners. And that's what the prodigal son said, I have sinned. I have sinned. And then that must create a, an attitude within us. And it did with the prodigal son. He said, I'm, I'm no more worthy to be called your son. I'm unworthy of, of any mercy of yours. Please make me as your servant. And we can become, in the truest sense, a servant of God. Because Jesus has shed his blood. And if we submit to him in obedience, then that blood purchases us. He buys us. We are bought with a price. And we are bought into being his slave, his bondservant for the rest of our lives. So if you want to come in loving obedience, trusting the Lord, putting him on in baptism this evening, we invite you to come. You can be his servant. And that's the greatest thing to ever be. If we can help in any way, please make that known right now. As we stand together, as we sing.